In today's message, we are going to be examining the treasures of the kingdom of heaven that Jesus desires to give us, treasures that will last forever. So we are in the midst of a message series that is called The Kingdom. And today, the title of today's message is Treasures in the Kingdom. What I want you to think about is what, what is the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the word treasure? For me, since I am an avid movie watcher, like my top five favorite movies, uh, one of those would be National Treasure. And I just love that movie because, you know, there's the tension of what is the treasure? Are they going to find it? Is someone else going to get it before them? Are they going to die trying to find it? And it just makes for a compelling story. But do you realize that maybe one of the big reasons why it is such a compelling story and any treasure hunt movie is compelling to us is because we're all seeking treasure. Do you realize that? In fact, that really is kind of the big question that we're going to be asking today is that you seek treasure. And the question is, what do you treasure? Well, what's interesting is that if you were to take a look at how you schedule your time, for example, or what's in your bank account, then that often will tell you what you treasure. Do you treasure time with people? Do you treasure time with family and time with friends? Then your schedule is going to show that. Do you treasure stuff? So do you enjoy being able to enjoy a nice car ride and so on? Then maybe your bank account will reflect that. What's important to us, we seek. We seek what we treasure. And when we ask that question, what do you treasure? Jesus wants us to understand that he actually offers us something different than this world will offer when it comes to treasure. Because everything in this world that this world has to offer, any form of treasure, will not last. And Jesus actually talks about that in Matthew chapter 6 when he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what Jesus is telling us is that he has a treasure that he can offer to us that will last forever. But he also reminds us that he says here that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So in other words, what we treasure most will be on the throne of our hearts. And so that's why we ask this question, what is it that you treasure? And what Jesus offers us, as we have heard in this opening section in Matthew 6, is that he offers us treasure that will last forever. And I want you to think about that. And the thing is, is that in the parable that Jesus tells us here that we're going to be looking at in Matthew chapter 13, we're actually going to be looking at three parables. And remember, a parable is a parallel story. So it's an earthly story that parallels a heavenly meaning or a spiritual meaning, a spiritual truth that Jesus wants us to understand. And so in this first parable, this first story that Jesus tells us, he describes for us 
how it is that we experience a treasure that will last forever in Jesus' kingdom. So this is what he says, Matthew 13, starting with verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Now, what's interesting is that in those days, they did not have banks or credit unions or anything like that. So if a person had some wealth in, that, in those days, he would often divide it into three parts. He would keep a part of it, a third of it, as currency that he could then use his day-to-day -day shopping. But then the other third of it, he would then have as uh, precious gems where he would store those away. But if an enemy were to come in or some, a thief were to break in, he could grab it quickly and escape. And then another third of it, he would often bury in his field. And that's why Jesus, using this example, this was actually a common occurrence, that the people would find hidden treasure all the time because it was like the field was their safe. That's where they would hide their treasure. And notice the man's reaction when he found this hidden treasure. Again, Jesus said, in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. So one of the lasting treasures of Jesus' kingdom that he offers to us is lasting joy. I want you to think about that. Because so often we find joy in time with family. We find joy in a job well done. So, you know, when we, when we have a great quarter at our company, there's great joy in that, especially at the end of the year when we get a bonus and what, whatever. When we spend time with friends, when we go out on a great vacation, there's great joy. But have you noticed how when that experience is over, the joy disappears? And sometimes we, here's a phrase, we get back to the grind because the joy is gone. It's just back to normal. But what Jesus offers us is a joy that will last forever because what Jesus offers us is himself. He offers us his love that lasts forever. He offers us forgiveness that lasts forever. He offers us life that lasts forever. And there's great joy in knowing that that's what we have because of Jesus. I'm just going to tell you that um, as I think back on a conversation that I had with a young pastor, uh, he and his wife had joined our ministry team at my former church. And they, were, they had been married for a few years and they had one son already and she became pregnant with their second child. But they find, found out early on in the pregnancy that their, their second child had a lot of complications and that their second child was not going to be able to live. So she carried the child a full term, gave birth, and they were able to baptize their baby girl. But then just a few moments after that, she died. Now, just put yourself into their shoes and how painful of an experience that is. And, and yet, this young pastor and his wife, they had joy. Why? Because he explained it this way. The joy is like this undercurrent of our life that no matter how choppy the water is on the surface of our life, no matter how rough the waves may be, how bad the storm is that we're in, because we have Jesus, we have this undercurrent of lasting joy because we know that whatever storm we're going through is going to end because we know that the king of the kingdom of heaven himself is with us and for us and that gives us lasting joy that's the first treasure 
of the kingdom of heaven that Jesus gives us. Now, notice though, he says here that this man in his joy went and sold all he had. You know what that means? That means that there's a cost to following Jesus. Not that it costs you anything to enter into eternal life because Jesus paid it all for you through his life and death and resurrection. Our entrance into Jesus' kingdom has been paid for. It's free, but it's costly. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, Jesus actually explained it this way. He had a conversation with his disciples and, and he had asked them, hey, what do the crowds say about me? And the disciples said, well, some think you're a great prophet, some think you're Elijah, you know, some think whatever. And, and then he said, what about you? What, what do you say? Who do you say I am? And, and Peter answered for all of them and he said, well, you're God's Messiah. Then Jesus, almost immediately after that, says, I'm going to tell you what the Messiah is coming to do. He's going to suffer and die and then rise again. And then after that, this is what he said in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Now, what does Jesus mean? What he means here is that it is going to cost us something to follow him. And what he means is that, you know, when you stop and think about the, the fact that in the conversations that we have with people, not everybody is going to like what Jesus has to say. In fact, um, you know, I, I can't help but think about, you know, think about all the people around the world right now as Christians who are actually losing their life because they follow Jesus. And they're losing their life at the hands of, of a person who is about to murder them because they follow Jesus. Jesus is saying, hey, you have to ask yourself the question, is it worth it to follow me? Is it worth it? Is it worth it that the seventh grader who sticks up for his less than popular friend and actually loses popular friends in the process, is it worth it to follow Jesus? The young woman who is being pressured by her boyfriend to have sex outside of marriage and she makes the decision, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to engage in that activity because Jesus is worth more to me. You see, we, each of us has to ask that question, is it worth it to follow Jesus? But the only proper way to answer that question is to understand what Jesus thinks of you, that you are worth everything to Jesus. And so Jesus, uh, here's the thing, Jesus even makes that statement in the very next parable, he explains what you're worth to him in Matthew 13, starting with verse 45. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Now, at first glance, this seems actually very similar to the previous parable that Jesus told, but it's different. Because see, in the first parable, he talks about a man finding this hidden treasure in the field. In this parable, he says that the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking. And what Jesus is highlighting here is that you are worth looking for. 
Jesus is searching for you. He's searching for every sinner. And he considers you to be a fine pearl. Now, in those days, they didn't have the kind of diving equipment that we have nowadays. And so it was extremely dangerous to go down into the ocean and try to find oysters that had pearls in them and especially good pearls in them. And merchants would pay big money to be able to get a fine pearl. What he's saying is that the merchant is Jesus, the king of the kingdom of heaven. And what he's saying is that the pearl is you. The pearl is me. The pearl is every sinner. It doesn't matter how bad you are. It doesn't matter what your life is like, whether it's good or bad or somewhere in between. Jesus considers you worth searching for. And he considers you worth paying for. Because notice that the, the merchant's looking for the fine pearls. And when he finds one, he sells everything he has. You know what that's focusing on? Jesus is the one who paid everything for you and me to be in his kingdom. He's the one who paid the price for our forgiveness. That when he said, it is finished on the cross, it, that was a banking term. It literally means paid in full. In other words, Jesus was all in in order for you and me to be saved. And why does that matter? Jesus highlights this point then in the final parable of today, and that's verses 47 to 50. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yikes. That scares me. Just think about what, what Jesus is describing here is what is going to happen on Judgment Day. And he's saying, hey, here's the thing. I want you to be confident that when you stand before me on Judgment Day, that you don't have to be worried. I want you to be confident that you are a good fish. Now, that begs the question then. How am I considered to be a good fish? Well, just like Jesus' original audience, Jesus knows that you and I sometimes struggle with ego and we struggle with pride and sometimes we think, hey, I've been good enough to be in Jesus' kingdom on my own terms. Jesus was dealing with people like that in his day too. Sometimes his disciples, sometimes the Pharisees and the religious leaders. We all have kind of that built-in ego that does not want to admit we are completely helpless to be in Jesus' kingdom on our own terms. We think sometimes our good is good enough. But Jesus wants us to consider what does it take to be considered a good fish in this parable? And you know what it takes? Not your goodness, not my goodness, because how could we ever know that our goodness is good enough? There is no certainty in that. It's all because of Jesus. The King of Heaven, who lived perfectly for you, who gave his life for you and for me so that we could be a part of his kingdom. It's free to us, but it was costly to him. And he is the one who then promises us that we can have lasting confidence. Here's another treasure that lasts in Jesus' kingdom. That by faith in Jesus, we can have lasting confidence no matter what life throws at us. We can have lasting confidence in knowing 
that we will be a good fish on that day. That we don't have to rely on our goodness because, I mean, I don't know if you caught it, but he says that, hey, if you rely on your own goodness to try to be in Jesus' kingdom, you're going to be a bad fish thrown away. Have you ever walked past the fish that's just rotting on the seashore? It doesn't smell very good. That's what he's saying is that if you try to rely on your own righteousness, you ain't going to smell good in God's eyes and in God's nose. You're not going to smell good because our good isn't good enough. Trust in Jesus. Trust in the goodness he gives you. And you can have lasting confidence as you look forward to the day of judgment. You don't have to be worried about being thrown into the blazing furnace where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth because in Jesus, forgiven fully. Now, Jesus then in, closes this out in verse 51. And he says, have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. He said to them, therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. Now, what's Jesus' point? What he's saying here is that the Old Testament of the Bible pointed ahead to Jesus. So, in other words, the, the teachers of the law of his day who knew the Old Testament really well that when they came to be a follower of Jesus, when they understood that Jesus is the king of the kingdom, when they believed in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that unlocked a whole new world of treasures for them. Treasures of joy and peace and confidence and hope and eternal life. That that's the storeroom that Jesus has in store for you and for me. And so I don't know where you are at in your journey of faith right now. Maybe for some of you, you're just exploring. Maybe for some of you, this you've heard this over and over and over again, and it never gets old to you because you know that Jesus is infinite treasure, that his kingdom brings infinite treasure that will last forever, regardless of your background. And I want you to hear this loud and clear that Jesus is extending hope even to those who were saying, you know what, Jesus, we don't know what to think of you right now. Jesus is extending hope to those who were so religious and so focused on their own righteousness that they didn't need Jesus. Jesus is extending hope to them too. It doesn't matter your religious background. Jesus wants you to know he loves you. He forgives you. It is finished, paid in full. You can be confident and filled with joy, filled with lasting, infinite treasure. So this week, as you spend time reading the word of God, remember that you and I get to enjoy a treasure hunt every single time we open this book. That Jesus unlocks more treasures lasting treasures that will never disappoint you. So keep on reading, keep on learning and growing. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the greatest treasure of all, the infinite treasure of your kingdom. We ask, Lord, that you help us to remember to, to keep you first place that any time that we try to substitute something else into the throne room of our heart, that it's not going to last. 
whether it's joy that we find in family or friends or work or wealth or health or whatever it may be that just sometimes, Lord, when we make those things the main thing, we lose sight of you and we lose the joy and the confidence that you desire to bring us. So forgive us, Lord, for the times that we have not had you first place and help us then instead to keep on treasure hunting in your word, to keep on learning and growing as you unlock the secrets of your kingdom. And we ask your blessing on each of us in your saving name, Lord Jesus. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen.